Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in. This is episode eight of Crunch Time Crossover. Again, you know your host. My name is Isaac. Uh, happy to be back. You know, first week of February down. Again, uh, it feels like these months never slow down, honestly. So it's good to be back. Um, just going to recap the last week of basketball, you know, some updates, just some things to note for sure. Uh, Western Conference. You know, we have Utah still playing some of the best basketball I've seen, um, honestly, all season. You know, 19-5, and five, I think they've won 18 out of those last, like, 20 games that they've played as well, too. So, definitely been playing um, pretty top tier. You know, uh, Donovan Mitchell's definitely separated himself of being one of the top three to top five shooting guards in this league right now, depending on who you ask. So, the only question I have for them is if they're going to be able to keep that up. Uh, going into postseason they've already played a total of 24 games and again it is a 72 game season so as long as they can keep it up stay in that one seed you know they might be doing all right heading into uh postseason basketball another interesting uh thing going on in the west the grizzlies you know just like that they were fourth seed fifth seed uh last time we talked um but went from sith fifth now down to the 11th seed um Looks like they ended up losing uh, three games in a row while only winning one game out of the last four. So, and that's just kind of going to be the narrative for the West, you know, is just those games really matter, you know. And again, they went from fifth seed fairly comfortably all the way down to out of actually the playoff contention. So, you know, again, I, I was surprised that they were there. Seeing them drop down isn't really surprising to me at this point. Again, they're still a pretty young team. It's just too much too much talent and firepower in the Western Conference. Uh, another team, I spoke a little bit about um, one of the players on this team, but, you know, Sacramento has been having a pretty pretty steady and consistent season. You know, I think a conversation that should be had as well, you know, is De'Aaron Fox up for most improved. You know, he's been really balling. And again, that rookie on their team, Tyrese Halliburton, I think is going to be the uh, maybe not first or second in the rookie of the year votes, but definitely third. Um, he's been playing really, really well, averaging 12 points, five assists, and uh, four rebounds for a rookie. You know, he's And I think he's been playing a little under 20 minutes. So, you know, pretty that's pretty impressive uh, basketball, in my opinion. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, who's one of my favorite guards in the league. You know, I definitely liked watching him play in uh, Kentucky out in college, but he's been putting up 23 23 points, close to six and a half assists. And he's also been shooting 48% from the three-point, which has been his uh, the lowest, or not the lowest, but had been one of the most uh, important things in his offense was kind of lacking a three-point shot. So he's definitely been doing that. Um, in my opinion, he needs to be getting to the free throw line a little bit more. Um, he's only averaging six attempts uh, per game, which is, you know, I think as a guard, you definitely need to be getting to the line a little bit more because... Free throws are honestly just like little freebies. Um, so yeah, there was a... We'll, I will talk about it a little bit later going on the East, but, you know, Matt Barnes, I mean, not Matt Barnes, forgive me, uh, Harrison Barnes has been playing pretty good for Sacramento as well too. And I've actually heard his name come up in a couple articles about potentially getting moved around. So I don't, and I don't know who really fills that role for Sacramento, but I think if they can get a really good piece... Um, in return for him, I think that might end up be worth um, not having uh, Harrison Barnes on that roster. I think one of the most surprising 
games of last week that I saw was watching the Portland Trailblazers actually beat the 76ers without uh, without CJ McCollum, without Dame, and without Joseph Nurkic. Um, Melo ended up having a really good game, putting up 22, um, 22 points. He had five rebounds and four assists. And he's also um, in the ballot for the All-Star votes as well, which is really nice. I think the only thing that's been the maybe not the issue with Portland but is if they have enough you know to win a chip you know I see a team with two all-stars in CJ McCollum and uh, Damian Lillard and again some pretty good depth um, all the way down their roster it's just I don't know if that's enough to you know close out a team late in the postseason I remember when the Lakers and the Trailblazers played in the uh, bubble last year the whole conversation of Portland might be able to beat them. Portland's going to do this and do this. And then the Lakers just handled them for the remainder of that series. Um, for the remainder of that series, forgive me. So, you know, that's a big win for them, especially without that all-star talent, which just, I think, kind of adds to that repertoire of that team is really dangerous. You know, and they beat Philadelphia. And again, Philly's been number one in the East for pretty much the, the entirety of the season so far. So pretty big, uh, pretty big win. Steph had another, Stephen Curry had another career night, um, put up 57 points. He hit 11 threes, but they ended up losing to uh, Luka's uh, Mavericks. Luka put up 42 and 11 the other night. Um, you know, I think the Warriors are still going to be a contending team all season. Um, they're at a record of 12 and 11. Going down to the Mavericks, surprisingly, the Mavericks are 14th in the West. You know, and granted, there's three teams that are tied um, with 10 wins apiece with the uh, New Orleans Pelicans and then Oklahoma City Thunder. But the Mavericks have lost more games than them with 14 losses compared to the Pelicans and Thunder's 12. So I think that's just been really, really surprising. I think Luka's had a lot of, I think after the outing that Luka had in the bubble, it is kind of surprising to see not just him not play to his caliber, but just to see the overall Dallas team. You know, I think they're a team that didn't really do much in the offseason and actually ended up losing a couple pieces as well. So, you know, they're not too far down from getting into that playoff spot with how close the uh, that bottom half of the West is, but they're not going to have much time to kind of figure that out, um, in my opinion. For the, again, just to speak on the Lakers, just because they're always going to be a topic of conversation, Right now, they're second in the West at 18-6. and six. They came off of a double overtime win against one of the worst teams in the league the other night against the Pistons. But those games ultimately are just kind of learning curves for them. They're not, they're, those games don't really mean anything to the, that kind of talent. But I do know that the Lakers play again tonight um, against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And AD, um, Anthony Davis, is actually out with an Achilles injury. So it'll be interesting to see who fills those roles. You know, ultimately they did pick up Montrez Harrell um, in that po in that offseason. So he's, in my opinion, supposed to be the one to kind of fill that heavy power forward minutes. Um, but they still have Kyle Kuzma, you know, and they're the the Lakers definitely have that kind of small ball potential with like Talon. You know, LeBron can even play a f uh, a four if need be. So I think it'll be a good game to see a lot of players play. You know. The Thunder aren't doing as good um, after losing Chris Paul to Phoenix, but again, still a really good team. And as a a little bit of a Thunder fan, I do like uh, 
Shea, um, SGA out in Oklahoma too, just playing really, really well. But just to note, in the for the brackets in the West, the Nuggets are at sixth um, with 12 wins, but from the sixth seed all the way down to the 14th seed, those teams are only separated by two games, with the Grizzlies being the exception, being separated by three. So again, you know, just like the Grizzlies going down seven uh, seeds in the Western Conference, anything can really happen over the next couple um, couple months, especially segueing into the All-Star break, depending on the direction of that. But I just think there's a couple teams here, you know, that could really use from, would really benefit from a, a trade while the trades are still available. But yeah, you know, I think uh, I'm pleased with the basketball. I think it's just so surprising that Utah has been so consistent. I think that's just the biggest thing is they're consistently winning um, pretty big games. And again, only losing five games so far out of 24 is definitely not something to overlook anymore at this point. Transitioning over to the Eastern Conference news. Um, like I had mentioned earlier, Philadelphia is still number one at 17 and seven, but that makes them just the third overall team in the league. Um, but to give credit where it's due, Joel Embiid has scored 30 points in eight of his last 10 games. And he actually, and I think this is one of the most surprising stats, um, out of his season so far, but he actually leads the league in a free throw attempts this season. And that definitely makes a huge difference. Um, getting to the line, in my opinion, you know, you win or lose games at the free throw line if it really comes down to it, you know, and he's actually averaging um, 11 free throw attempts a game and he's shooting the ball or shooting the free throw at 85%, you know, that's a, and to add to that, you know, we'll put averaging almost 29 points in uh, 10 games is um, 29 points and 10 rebounds a game, you know, that's, that's MVP worthy in my opinion, you know, and I think that definitely makes, that changes the narrative of the game, you know. I mean, looking back, you know, they had to make a whole rule to slow down Shaq, you know. And the difference with Shaq is Shaq couldn't hit a free throw. You know, like when Shaq was at the line, you know, he was maybe hitting two or three out of ten attempts, you know. like, And granted, Shaq was able to still dominate um, every aspect of the game. If you have a big man that can still do Shaq-type things and still knock down free throws... Again, that's just a huge problem and it, when it comes down to the postseason, especially when it's game on the line, you know, all you have to do is go inside and I would take Joel Embiid hitting the last two free throws of a game if it's for the game at this or if it's to win the game at this point. So, yeah, definitely, definitely surprised. I think Doc Rivers ended up being a really good fit at um, head coach in that Philly team, especially for a Joel Embiid type player. So, yeah, good, good basketball from them. You know, something really interesting I had spoken about last week was the Boston Celtics and just what I think they kind of needed um, to really complete them as a team. And uh, I read an article, I want to say a couple days ago, saying that Danny Ainge is actively looking for upgrades for his team. But he, and to quote him, he said he's looking for shooters with size, which is kind of weird, <laughs> like kind of a weird you know, just looking at the Boston Celtics roster, you know, that's a, I would definitely say, in my opinion, that that is a very guard-heavy team, as it is, um, with some pretty good and consistent shooters. So it's really interesting that, you know, they're kind of shying away from that big man position. You know, they have Tristan Thompson, who they signed going into the season, but 
he he doesn't really feel the or he has not maybe I mean I don't know necessarily know what Brad Stevens the head coach is looking for out out of him but I think something that they need like I said is just a really good middle presence and I don't think Tristan Thompson does that very well he is not he is a big he is a big body down there but there is something about having like a seven footer and like James Wiseman for example you know, or you have like Joel Embiid, you know, or Giannis that are just really imposing on the inside. But that the article was really interesting. They were talking about potential trade options. And like I had said, um, I had mentioned Harrison Barnes came up in that Boston conversation. And again, you know, Harrison Barnes, that's an NBA champion. Um, he may not be the best shooter there is, but he is definitely like a stretch three, kind of can play the four position and still a pretty good defender. Um, ultimately, I think his kind of position just takes away minutes from players like uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, because granted, they're not going to be a part of that um, trade situation. But I guess the question is, is if Boston is thinking about moving on from um, Kemba Walker, um, just because he hasn't been playing super well. There was other conversation about them potentially trying to acquire Aaron Gordon from Orlando, which... Not to say that I don't think Aaron Gordon is a good player, but I think if they're looking for a specific talent, you know, and it's especially if it's via trade, I think Boston definitely has a lot of pieces that are worth a little bit more, you know, and I think especially if they were to get an Aaron Gordon type player, his his type of game would have to change from the way he plays in Orlando. And I not to say I think it would be a bad fit, but I just think there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of bumps in the road with um Aaron Gordon being a part of that trade conversation. But the other name that got thrown around, and I think this is actually an interesting point of view, uh, they had mentioned potentially trading for PJ Tucker in Houston, you know, and I think that would be a, uh, that that's exactly what PJ Tucker does. You know, I think PJ Tucker, in my opinion, is one of the more elite uh, three and D options. Um, he's actually, at a 10% usage rate with the ball since 2016, um, which is incredible for a player, you know, to have such an impact on the game while having his usage be so low. But, you know, with that being said, that means he wouldn't really need the ball in his hands, and that would actually give more time for your all-stars, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and potentially if Kemba Walker is still there. So I don't know where PJ is or where he's heads at um, out in Houston. But if Boston could put together a little, a good little package for him, you know, I think that would actually be a really, really good addition. And again, if, especially if they were to keep Marcus Smart too, that's a really good defensive team now too. And like I said, I think just as soon as they get a big man, I think they'll be all right. But hopefully, hopefully they'll be in the conversation as far as more trades go. Another team in the East that I just want to speak about, you know, not too much to say, but you know, I respect the work Indiana, um, the Pacers have been putting out there. You know, DeMontis Sabonis has been playing well all season. Uh, the Pacers are 12-12 and 12 so far as well, too. And, you know, I think that Indiana team is playing well without Karis LeVert, too. And even though they did lose uh, Victor Oladipo with that James Harden trade, Karis LeVert is pretty much the replacement for that. So that Indiana team didn't really change too much. You know, and I think that team is really, really good. Um, as far as their chemistry goes, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of ego on that team. So, you know, if they stay in that position that they're in, I can definitely see Indiana giving some teams nightmare series um, in the postseason. 
you know, because when you have a team that there's not a lot of ego involved and there's not a lot of, I need this over this, you know, you just have a, a team that just really wants to play good basketball. And I think Indiana can definitely do that. You know, Malcolm Brogdon, rookie, uh, former rookie of the year, you know, and they have Miles Turner too. Just some good, some good, solid overall basketball. So, yeah, I just want to give a little bit of respect um, to that Indiana team. Some other news that I think is really interesting was Derrick Rose getting sent to the Knicks and playing for Tom Thibodeau again. You know, I think that's really cool. I think Derrick Rose is, in my opinion, probably one of the most respected NBA players that's in the league right now. Um, and, man, I just always reminisce of that 2009 MVP season that he had just some of the most ridiculous highlights I've ever seen. And, you know, I think because of that, I really wish he would have got traded to like a contending team, you know, or at least a team that's, you know, the the Knicks are eight right now in the West. I mean, the Knicks are eight in the East right now at 11, 14. So they're not, they're not out of it, you know, but there's just so much talent in the East that it's hard to even think that they're going to win a series against any of those top four teams. So I really, really, really would have wished I saw him go to a uh, go to a contender. But you know, if New York puts something together, you know, they might be, they definitely might be uh, all right in the long run. You know, I had spoken about it just a little bit uh, earlier, but you know, kind of talking about the All Star Game, they did have their the first ballot of the returns for the votings, and you know, a couple notable things, couple things that are pretty interesting. Um, for whatever reason, Clay Thompson made it to the voting and he hasn't played a game all season. So someone needs to figure that out because, you know, I'm there's a lot of talent at guard, especially in the West that's capable and it's playing, you know, and I think it's a uh, maybe not disrespectful, but just just it's just a little odd, in my opinion, just a little bit odd. But there's definitely a couple of names on here that I think should be a little higher up. Um, then a couple of names that are definitely the um, that are not surprising, you know, and leading the West, um, LeBron James in the front court. You have Nikola at two, Kawhi Leonard at three, Anthony Davis at four, and then Paul George at five. You know, pretty stacked, super stacked um, at the forward position. And then the guards, their top five guards are Stephen Curry, Luka Doncic at two, uh, Damian Lillard at three. Jean Morant sitting at four. And then again, like I mentioned in Utah, uh, Donovan Mitchell sitting at five. And then segueing to the Eastern Conference, you know, I think this is, I think this Eastern Conference is pretty scary. You know, you have Kevin Durant sitting at the first uh, number one in votes, Giannis sitting at two, Joel Embiid at three. You can't forget about Jason Tatum at four and then Jimmy Butler at five. You know, some real, real talent. You know, there's some dogs on that top five and then just some notable mentions you know Julius Randle for the Knicks sitting at eight who should definitely be higher and the 10th voting on that Eastern Conference front court is Jeremy Grant in Detroit you know he ended up signing a pretty big contract away from Denver and he's been some very productive games he's just unfortunately signed to the worst team one of the worst teams in the East so it is what it is you know that sounds like a decision at that point uh, the guards though, and I really, I really like this guard, um, feel that's going on in the East, but you have Bradley Beal leading the votes at number one. You have Kyrie Irving at two, followed by James Harden at three. 
Um, one of my favorite guards in the league, Jalen Brown, who again has just been playing some terrific basketball is at four. And like I mentioned last week, Zach Levine is actually sitting at five uh, in the votes. So I think the one thing that's really interesting about the all-star voting is just all of the conversation that's been going on about it. You know, um, there's already been a fair amount of players that have expressed not really feeling about playing in the all-star game, you know, and I think LeBron was actually the first person to really say something about it, you know, but realistically LeBron is at this point in time, the face of the NBA, you know, so I think whatever he says, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to agree with him. Um, and not only agree with him, but stand behind him, you know, and kind of take the same stance, you know, and I think I saw uh, De'Aaron Fox say something similar too. And, you know, is, is the all-star game worth it? You know, I think the voting is great and the, the accolade is great saying you made an all-star team, but the actual practicality of getting them out there in Atlanta for a game and all of the COVID uh, testing protocols, you know, and if they were to do this and let's say someone were to get sick um, or contract COVID, you know, it's not just one person on a team. It's all of these teams, best players, you know, so that definitely, that definitely changes the narrative a little bit. Again, I think there'd be some really good, or I think it would be a really good all-star game if they did play, but you know, I think it's a luxury at this point. I think the league even being, I think the league even being able to play right now is more than enough, but you know, if they want to make it happen, they definitely will. But, you know, I just put together my opinion, the top five players um, for the starting five in the East and the West. Um, so starting with the Eastern Conference, I'm going to say my starting guards, I would probably have James Harden and Bradley Beal. I think those are two just guaranteed buckets. And I think it'll be really, oh, in my opinion, you know, Harden can be a point guard. You know, and I think Bradley Beal and Harden would play just, I think they would have a really, really good dribble handoff. You know, I think they would f fill the rotations the same way. Um, and then for my guard, I mean, for my front court is just going to be order one through three, you know, Kevin Durant at my small forward, Giannis at my four, at my four, and then uh, Joel Embiid at my five. That is just a problem, <laughs> problem, problem, problem for sure. But that Western Conference team doesn't look too bad either. I'd have my guards would be Stephen Curry, and I would definitely take Luka Doncic um, for my guards. I think I went back and forth with Donovan Mitchell too. But when you think about size wise, you know, Luka's just, Luka does everything. And then my forwards are pretty much one through three as well. You know, LeBron at my small forward, Anthony Davis holding down my power forward, and then Nikola Jokic at center. You know, as much as I, don't know if the All-Star game would be worth it. I would love to see those teams play, <laughs> you know, and I think that's the whole conversation is people want to see them play. But, you know, ultimately the question is, is if it's good for the league. Um, and it's hard to say, you know, I just think that there's there's a lot at the line, you know, and if people have to miss games, especially your All-Stars, I think it just really kills momentum. So if they can do it the right way, it might be worth it. But if it ends up being more of a problem, then... You know, I think it might be best to just scrap this season's uh, all-star game and just let people get named the starters, you know. And then, yeah, I just want to name some honorable mentions, too, that I, if I didn't mention them already. But both Damian Lillard and CJ McConnell are on the all-star voting list. You know, two all-star guards on the same team. And I think that just kind of raise my, raises my question that I said earlier of what else do they need in order to actually compete for um, 
for finals, you know, because I think this is kind of like the Warriors situation, you know, like two all-stars with Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson, and they had the right pieces. So just something to note it from them. And then on the Eastern Conference, something to note too, Colin Sexton at seventh votes. Man, I'm I'm a huge Colin Sexton fan. I remember watching his highlights in, ha- in, uh, in high school and just laughing. Man, he would clown people in high school. So I'm glad that he's playing well and that Cleveland Cavaliers team is playing pretty well as well. And then again, uh, at eighth in voting to the man I just mentioned that got traded, Derrick Rose. Just, just off of love and support, just making that all-star game, you know, just pure love and support. So, yeah, shout out, shout out D Rose, you know. But yeah, that's the that's the all-star game, you know. I looking forward to it if it happens, but if it doesn't, you know, I think that'll just mean that I'm looking forward more to the postseason and especially that that play-in um, seed seven through ten play-in is going to be just definitely worth definitely worth the watch. But to uh, close this episode out you know just things that i'm thinking of you know things to share and uh i just want to start it off today with you know one percent better you know just always doing the one percent is always enough you know but you just have to get you just have to get to that one percent in order for it to happen but it, it is enough and over time it will be enough you know so it's just something to keep keep on the forefront of my mind and not to not to forget about it another thing too that I've been really thinking of you know is every mistake that you make and that I make and that people make is a lesson if you decide to learn from it you know no matter what happens and what you deal with as long as you take something away from it that helps you or changes an idea or really puts something in perspective you know it's a lesson you know and that's we need to learn, you know, everyone needs to learn at some point. So just not forgetting, you know, like even if you mess up, as long as you learn from it, it, it was worth messing up for. Um, I hope something, I hope, you know, that something good happens to you for today. Like I hope, and if nothing good happens today, I hope you make something happen for yourself. You know, I hope you can, if you feel like you're missing out on something, you know, I hope you feel like you can make something happen for yourself. Cause I think ultimately that's, what we need to do sometimes, you know, is we need to hype ourselves up. You know, we have to make things happen. You have to be proactive with your thoughts and your feelings and your actions. So just, you know, I hope something good happens to you today. And if not, you know, I really hope you can make that happen for yourself. Um, another thing that I've been thinking of, especially as the year progresses, but just checking up on the people like in your circle, you know, like the people that are around you, the people that you care about, you should check in on them, you know. If they take care of you in some way, you know, you should try your best to take care of them in some way, regardless of what that means um, to you. I just think that the people around you really do make a difference in the long run, you know, so just making sure that they're good. You know, I'm sure they make sure you're good in separate ways and different ways, you know, and it's not always, hey, how are you doing? But it's like, uh, are you taking care of yourself, you know, or have you eaten? You know, have you done this? Have you written today? You know, just just whatever whatever it takes t- for you to have a good connection with someone in your circle really matters. You know, and I think the last thing I want to share is something that I've been trying to really do every day, but just doing what makes you feel good. You know, just finding something that you enjoy and finding something that means something to you and something that you care about and just doing it. 
you know, and getting better at it, you know, and learning about it and just, you know, you should feel good every day and you should have things that make you feel good and you should do things that make you feel good and you shouldn't forget about things that make you feel good. You know, I think it's hard to do some of these sometimes in the, with the state that things are in, you know, but man, this life is here for us. You know, we have to make it as best as we can. And ultimately I'm in charge of my life, you know, so I have to do what it takes for me to be good. Um, and it's the same for you if you're listening, you know, whatever it takes for you to be good. I, I definitely stand behind your decision to do whatever it takes to be good, you know, so be good and stay good. Um, thank you for lending me your ears for this last half, this last ha- half an hour of your time. Um, looking forward to the next episode. Again, thank you for listening and I'll hear you guys next week. Peace. <laughs>